The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This week on Catch and Shoot 2.0, we're talking March Madness with one of the foremost experts on college basketball on the planet. But first, Darlene, get us started. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. (laughs) His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas? Welcome to Catch and Shoot 2.0. I am Otto Strong along with my partner, Aaron Berlin. Aaron, what's going on? How you feeling? I feel like we need a certain kind of music. Well, we need music, we need whiskey, and we just need one of those moments where we all just kind of like hold our heads and bow because KU is out of the tournament. And not only out of the tournament, Otto, just like embarrassed. I, I was watching that game and there were points in the game against USC last night where it got about, I don't know, to the eight or nine minute mark in the first half. And I was like, okay, you know, we're horrible. Like we're not shooting the ball well. But this game is still within reach where if we go on like a little 4-0, run, that we're right back in it. And then it was just like from the four-minute marker on to end the half, it was just they blew the wheels off our wagon. Like I've never seen a Kansas team look that bad and that outplayed and outmatched than I saw last night. Well, and, 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 and here's the real kicker, Otto. And I'm just going to end it on this. This Kansas team has been frustrating – but last night I saw what so many other teams for so many years have watched Kansas do to them. And that's because one auto, everyone wants to talk about having three or four year guys in college basketball, right? Like junior seniors. Great. Love a veteran led team. No, no. Give me a team with two dudes that can go out there and be the best players on the court every night. And I'll take those guys every single time. Yeah. yeah and I'm talking about NBA players. I'll take NBA <laughs> players. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, not to, you know, rub it in, but like, you know, it was the worst NCAA tournament defeat, I think, that they've ever had. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, not to rub it in further, but I took USC. Just, I and, t- and what you would have been with the betting favorite. USC yeah. was the betting favorite he- heading into that game. And th- there have been f- very few times in the NCAA tournament where I've been nervous going into a game and I was trying to figure out ways that we could win that game. I, I couldn't come up with one because one USC plays a zone. Kansas does not shoot the basketball exceptionally. Well, our best player is a five man who is going to have to go up against Mobley. Who's more mobile. And I, I mean, you saw him last night, the way he handled the ball, the way he moved around the floor. Like he, he was like a gazelle out there against David McCormick. And then three, the X factor teams always shoot lights out when K, KU loses in an NCAA tournament game. And Isaiah Mobley was like four or four from beyond three after not hitting multiple three pointers in a game all year. So, you know, it happens. At least I can say that that game was over by halftime. So I kind of got my emotions in check before I went to bed. So 
We'll see. But you, you know what else is disappointing, Otto? The way the Big 12 played in the entire second weekend. Because that yeah. was that was I had a lot of high hopes, and I do this every year for the Big 12 because they usually traditionally will put like seven of their 10 teams in, which that's another thing, right? Big 12 has 10 teams, Pac 12 has 12, they push four through. So, you know, if you have the numbers right in your conference, maybe you do better. Who knows? Um, but I, I thought it wasn't it felt like we had a real disparity this year in what we thought of teams versus maybe what the numbers told us this year. And how much of that do you think was COVID versus just the fact that, you know, how power five teams get viewed versus how mid majors get viewed. So that, so that's a great point. So, and, and I thought about this a lot when I saw the seedings come out and I saw Loyola as an, were they an eight seed or eight, nine seed? Eight, I, no, they were, I, I, they I always were get that eight, nine. But if you look at the holy grail of what college basketball metrics are basically graded off of, and that's Kempom, and I'm not sure how often you look at that, but they have rated in the top 10 in Kempom all year long. USC is a top 10 team in Kempom as well, and they were a six seed. So you have two teams there that pushed through to the Sweet 16 that were top 10 in Kempom who were both rated below the five line. And I, I just don't understand if maybe the NCAA doesn't take that into account, but I would say more times than not that when you look at analytics and college basketball, specifically with the way that Kim Palm ranks those teams, it's a pretty good barometer based on what the real top 25 is and not what the media thinks the top 25 is. So they should have had a lower, both of those schools should have had a lower seat in your, in your, in your eyes. Yeah, it's it's the same argument why people for years have said that Gonzaga can't be a number one seed because they don't play in a power conference. Well, Gonzaga has to go and you know front load their schedule every single year with legitimate power five opponents just to hope that mm-hmm. their net rating or whatever other ranking systems that the NCAA is using now holds through to the end of the year. Now, a school like Loyola right now, power five schools don't want to play them in the off season. There's no win for a power conference school to play Loyola in the non-conference right now. Mm, yeah. Yeah. You're talking about the uh, big 12 teams and I just, you know, being, you know, in Fort Worth and seeing, you know, TCU up close and having, having again, again, a front row seat to get stomped on by Kansas when, 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 when the horn frogs go up against them, you know, Texas, I like that, just the way that went down, just, I mean, there was already, you know, noise coming out of Austin. Um, you know, regarding Shaka Smart and then drop into to Abilene, like just like that's that's just like in the land of no, you just that's you just can't it can't happen. So I will say this. You remember that college basketball tournament I did and I called play by play for over the Thanksgiving break. Mm-hmm. It was down in Fort Myers. Mm-hmm. Abilene Christian was was the mid-major team that won that tournament. Yeah. And I called their game. And I remember thinking at the time that whoever got that club in the NCAA tournament was going to have a real problem because yep. they've got some dudes like, you know, he's not Reggie Miller's son, but he holds his name. Like, <laughs> he's a really good point guard for them. Joe Pleasant is a guy that I don't think he plays in the NBA, but he can certainly play in the G league. Right. And anytime you have someone who can be a pro, whether it's at a secondary level or overseas, like those guys are going to give you trouble. And number one, like that Abilene Christian team played hard that entire game and they play hard for their coach. And so I was nervous for Texas going into that game, but you're right. If you're the university of Texas 
there is no losing to an in-state foe such as Abilene Christian, especially in the first round. You know, like if you're Kansas and you lose to Wichita State, that's one thing because there's three Division I programs in the entire state. I, I couldn't tell you how many Division I programs are in the state of Texas. And I'm guessing that Abilene Christian ranks at or near the bottom in terms of popularity and overall attendance in the state of Texas for a D1 school, pretty close to the bottom, right? Well, like, well, yeah, well, here's the thing. A few years back, they were not a D1 school, which is another, no. <laughs> which is another thing. They were a D2 school, so yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, you ready to talk a little more college hoops with someone who knows a whole lot more than we do? Yep. Let's do it. As we record the show on Tuesday, March 23rd, we're a few days away from the round of 16. And joining us is the one, the only, Howie Schwab. Howie co-hosts Talking College Hoops podcast with Hall of Fame writer Dick Hoopsweiss. Howie is also a legend in the sports research world and hosted Stump the Schwab back in his ESPN days. Howie, welcome. Good to be with you guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. This tournament's been wild. It's been amazing. This is crazy. So in a tournament filled with upsets, which one has shocked you the most? I think I would go with Oral Roberts beating Ohio State because Ohio State of the Big Ten was projected by a lot of people to get to the Final Four, either them or Baylor in that bracket. But uh, Oral Roberts was a 15 seed, and we've seen 15 beat two before. But Oral Roberts won their... Summit League semifinal and final by two and three points. So they could easily have not even gotten to the NCAA tournament. And then when you have two players combining, Asmus and uh, uh, O'Banner, uh, two kids who most of America hasn't seen, uh, they combined for 59 points in that game. Uh, Ohio State did a good job defending the three, did a good job on the foul line. And Oral Roberts, rather, Oral Roberts getting that upset. I think that was the biggest upset so far. But you could, I mean, you can make a case for Loyola over Illinois. You can make a case for Oregon State beating Tennessee and Oklahoma State back to back. I mean, there, there's so many. It's it's Syracuse. I mean, gotta get Syracuse in. Uh, it's it's been just a wacky tournament. I, I think eventually we're gonna start seeing the favorites get through to the final four though. You know, Howie, the, the thing I really thought about this year, because the sample size for a lot of these mid-major teams was so much smaller than what we saw from some of the power conference schools that we might see some disparity with the seeding process, but could you ever imagine just seeing the vast discrepancies, whether it's the Pac-12 teams or what they've done pushing four teams through to the sweet 16 or what we've seen from some of these mid-major schools, just playing the way that they have and basically throwing out the seeds and, you know, really showing that there's a lot of parity in college basketball this year. Well, how about the big 10 teams? When you had yeah. nine big 10 teams make the tournament, you have one left. And a lot of people had between Michigan, Illinois, Ohio state, Iowa, them all going far. So, I mean, it's just crazy, but I think a couple of things, one, and I know some people may disagree with me, the fact that you have small crowds, I think actually helps the underdogs because they're not as intimidated in an NSA tournament situation. They're not uh, as crazed by it. Uh, I know one person argued with me that, 
well, the underdogs get something from the big crowds because the big crowds root for them. Well, I think the big crowds are rooting for the teams that they went to go see, which are usually the favorites, but it's okay. It's an interesting argument. Uh, when I look at this tournament, I'm amazed though, when, when you look at mid-major teams that uh, can do real damage. And then of course, Gonzaga is not really a mid-major anymore. Gonzaga has been a, a consistent program for 20 years. Uh, and I know Mark Few gets upset when people say mid-major. Uh, WCC is not a, uh, a power five conference, but yet Gonzaga is a power, a power in its own right. So I want to kind of get, get back to a little bit of what, what Aaron was saying. So we've got this, this, this consensus that, you know, power five, you're, you're, you almost have like a, a birthright to, 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 a, to a better seed. And at, at what point will the committee, because this has been happening for a little while. Last year, obviously with no tournament, I feel like we, you know, everyone kind of maybe forgot about the fact that, that mid-majors can ball. And we've seen it before. Like when is the, when are the, I mean, not to put you on the spot, but when are the tournament selection folks kind of going to, you know, take a more serious look at these teams and not just let certain other teams just slide in just because on reputation? Well, I think the committee tries to do that uh, this year. Let's face it. The Big Ten and the Big 12 were considered the best conferences in basketball. And so therefore they got their, uh, 16 teams into the tournament. Uh, you know, being successful doesn't always translate because as good as the Big Ten was in the regular season, I really feel they beat each other up night in, night out. Even the bottom teams gave a tough time for the Illinois and Michigans of the world. So it's, it's not easy. I mean, you know, hey, the beauty of the NCAA tournament is one and done. I yeah. mean, you have a bad night. You don't shoot the ball well. I mean, let's face it. Ohio State, what was it? Uh, like five for 22 shooting threes. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to win that way. Yeah. Especially when the other team gets hot. Uh, yeah. Oregon State beating Oklahoma State. I mean, you can, you can name a, a Loyola, Illinois. I mean, Loyola played a very smart fundamental game. They didn't turn the ball over. Illinois fell behind and never came back in that game. I kept waiting for them to make a run and their defense did not show the intensity that I thought was necessary to make a run in the second half. Uh, mm -hmm. Loyola did a great job keeping the ball away, great passing, great offense. Uh, so, you know, the beauty of college basketball, think back to 2011, VCU and Butler, two low seeds made the final four. Uh, think back to George Mason. I mean, there have been plenty of stories uh, you mentioned Oral Roberts. They're the second 15th seed to make the Sweet 16. Do people ever talk about Florida Gulf Coast, what they did to win two games as a 15th seed? It's amazing. Uh, the, the thing is, winning the whole thing, it's a little different. Villanova no, was the eighth seed. That's fine. Uh, Kansas was a lower seed, NC State. But, I mean, they're from power conferences. So, if you ever had a Loyola win a national championship, besides, of course, when they won 63, but now if Loyola won, it would be amazing. And people would say Cinderella and everything else. And maybe you'd get, I mean, hey, if Gonzaga wins a national title, 
maybe people will start saying that too. But uh, though Gonzaga, I think, is a different animal. They're in one seat for the whole tournament. So. Well, Howie, that's a really good point because I've started hearing people form this narrative around Loyola and the job that Moser has done there. I mean, he pushed that team through to a Final Four a few years ago, and now he's gotten them into the second weekend again. It's not fair for what Mark Few has built at Gonzaga to start saying that what Loyola is doing is Gonzaga-esque, right? Because that's on a whole nother level, the program that he has built there. Mark Few's done for over 20 years. I mean, come on, that's not even close. Uh, But but, but that's what I'm saying. It's not fair to what Few has done at Gonzaga based off the small sample size that we have from Loyola. I I agree with you wholeheartedly. Absolutely. I mean, Loyola is a nice story, but it's twice in a few years. Gonzaga has been in the tournament over 20 straight years. So, and they were in the final game. I mean, to me, Gonzaga is a special story. One of the key reasons is transfers. They've had a number of transfers over the years that have helped. Uh, and now being able to recruit a kid like Jalen Suggs, one of the best guards in America. Uh, and then you look at what uh, Kispert has been uh, and Timmy, and uh, they just have so much talent and so many scoring threats that I, I can't see Gonzaga not winning this thing, to be honest. I like I like the sound of that. Not only because I picked him <laughs> to go all the way, you know, but uh, but like talk a little bit about about you know their next game. They 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 rolled up on their first two opponents by combined fifty nine points. Now they get a Crichton team that you know some people may think, okay, this is this is this is where the wheels fall off. What do you any what do you what are you seeing there? Well, which Crichton team shows up? The one that lost by twenty five to Georgetown, the Big East <laughs> final. The one that barely got by Cal Santa Barbara. Or the one that looked really good against a a dangerous Ohio U team. So, I mean, Creighton's got a lot of veterans. They have scoring capability. Uh, Zagorowski is a a super guard. But I just don't think they have enough to beat Gonzaga. Uh, I think they could play with them for a little while. But I think Gonzaga wins by about 12-14. Yeah, watching Gonzaga run away from Oklahoma the other night was really impressive. Just how Oklahoma kind of hung around in that game for about the first 25 to 30 minutes. And then it was just like Gonzaga said, I'm done with this. No more. We're going to go away. You, you know, the, the thing, I, and I've started to form this, this whole thought process in my head that nobody knew how good the Pac-12 was because nobody could watch their games all year, right? The Pac-12 network is almost non-existent, so no one got to watch them play basketball. But what the Pac-12 done and what I saw USC do to my Kansas Jayhawks last night and what I saw Oregon do earlier in the day and Oregon State and UCLA, what's so impressive or or what makes what the Pac-12 has done the first weekend so impressive? Well, first of all, it's a big surprise to have four Pac-12 teams there because UCLA, most people thought was going to lose to Michigan State. So they go out, beat Michigan State. They go out beat BYU. They go beat Abilene Christian, which was a nice surprise over Texas. And you give them credit. Juzang has had a great tournament so far, over 22 points a game. And Mick Cronin is getting the last laugh. A lot of people are critical about UCLA. They lost four straight games before the tournament. So they came into the tournament with a four-game losing streak and, of course, the play-in game. And yet here they are. Uh, USC has been 
up and down at times this year, but more up than down. But uh, the Mobleys are great players, and uh, they've gotten good play out of Peterson in the backcourt to transfer from Rice. And uh, you have to be impressed with Andy Enfield's team too. Oregon had a real COVID problem, and so we weren't sure how good they were. We thought they were good. Then they'd lose a few games that they shouldn't have lost. And you wonder, but Dana Allman's one of the best coaches left in this field. I mean, he's been to a Final Four. Uh, you have to be impressed. And they have a lot of scoring talent, too. I love Chris Duarte. L.J. Figueroa, I know all too well because he was a St. John's kid. Uh, Oregon is going to be a tough team. Oregon-USC is going to be a great game. The USC beat them in the regular season. Uh, we'll see. Oregon State is by far the biggest surprise of that group. They were picked last in the preseason in the Pac-12. Uh, Wayne Tinkle's team really was not expected to do much. And then boom, 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 they win the Pac-12 tournament, which they had to do to get in the tournament in the NCAAs. There's no way they would have made it otherwise. They were a sixth seed. Uh, and then to go beat Tennessee, the way they beat Tennessee, and then the big lead they built up on Oklahoma State and then hung on for a bit and uh, beat Cade Cunningham. Uh, it's incredible. I mean, come on. How many people, honestly, would have had Loyola of Chicago playing Oregon State for the right to get into the Elite Eight? I mean, come on. That's crazy. But that's, that's college basketball. That's why the tournament is great. You just never know. The fact that UCLA is playing Alabama I mean, a couple of weeks ago, who would have seen that? Four-game losing streak. They look terrible. Uh, they got beat by Oregon State in the Pac-12 tournament. And yet here they are, and they're gaining more confidence. I think a key in that game is going to be Tiger Campbell. He's got to get the ball to the right people. He's got to play smart. Uh, Alabama, I think, has too much. But, hey, UCLA is here. So. And the Pac-12 is here. Four, four Pac-12 teams, one Big Ten team, one Big 12 team. What's wrong with this picture? <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, would you have said that? I think, I, I mean, Colorado is the only one who lost uh, to Florida State. But, you know, when you look at this, that's the beauty of this game. It's the beauty of this tournament. You just, you, you think you know from the Big Ten and Big 12 being great this year. And in reality, uh all that matters is the record right now is Pac-12 has lost one game in this tournament. They have four teams there. No one else has more than two. So you got to give the Pac-12 a lot of credit. And I know Mick Cronin's laughing. And I know Andy Enfield's laughing. And Dana Ullman's laughing. and tinkle. But uh, give them credit. That's good for them. Now, can they get – well, you know they're getting at least one team in the lead eight because Oregon plays USC. But – uh, you know, if they can get three teams to the Elite Eight, that would be unbelievable. That'd be pretty impressive. Howie, uh, so I'm the uh, sports editor at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. And uh, as you know, uh, Texas as a state had seven teams make it. Now they're obviously whittling it down. They've got Houston and they've got Baylor, a team that, that you know, if, if not Gonzaga, you might you might think Baylor. What? And, and there's one thing I got to say. So my Friday night was going great. <laughs> Closed out a busy week. And then North Texas completely blew it up <laughs> and, and that, you know, forced me to, you know, work a little overtime, but, but putting that aside, uh, Baylor, 
Houston, what do you? I, I know some people like like what's going on with Houston. What do you What do you think about about uh, well Baylor first than Houston? Well, Baylor is right there because Baylor and Gonzaga have been there all year until Baylor had the COVID problem too. Right. And Baylor was not the same team after the COVID problem. They almost lost to an Iowa State team that didn't win a game in the Big Twelve. Uh, they lost in the Big Twelve tournament. And they were not the same team. They were not the same aggressive defensive team. They were the same team that shoots threes like incredibly well. They lead the nation over 41%. But when you look at Baylor now, they seem to have gotten their mojo back on defense, watching the first two games of this tournament. They are aggressive. Uh, they get uh, on, defender, uh, on the ball defense really nicely. Uh, they've been rebounding well. Uh, this Baylor team looks very tough. I give them a lot of credit. Scott Drew's done a great job. And I think Gonzaga and Baylor really are the two teams this year and then maybe Michigan that have been the, the favorites for much of the season. Uh, I think Baylor will be a very dangerous team. The Baylor-Villanova game is interesting. If Gilles, Colin Gillespie were healthy, I think Villanova would give them a real game. Uh, and I never sell Jay Wright short. Uh, he's got his two national championships. He is a dangerous, uh, has a dangerous team because of their, the, the versatility of their team. Uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl can take over a game too. I mean, I just think without Gillespie, they're just a little short of Baylor and Baylor's defense. Uh, Baylor needs either Macy Oteague or, uh, or Butler to have a big game too. But I, I think uh, Baylor will win this game. But I, I, Baylor, I think I had Baylor in the final four. I had them beating Ohio State in my bracket. But uh, Houston, on the other hand, you know, a lot of people thought Houston was going to lose to Rutgers. And it looked at times like they were trying to. They weren't really trying to. Right. Anyway, uh, when you look at Grimes and Giroux and, and, and the talent they have, they're a little underrated because the AAC does not get the kind of respect uh, that others get. Uh, Houston, hey, they've had quality wins. Uh, they're a solid team. Kelvin Sampson's done a great job the last few years down there. But can they pull this off? Syracuse is not going to be an easy game. Buddy Beheim has become a star. Buddy Beheim's had a great tournament. At a great ACC tournament, uh, Syracuse with that, with the zone defense, fools a lot of people. And if Buddy Beheim comes out hot again, this will be a game. I think Houston will win, but it, it'll be a competitive game. You know, Howie, one of the teams I'm really interested in is Michigan. We've talked a lot about the Big Ten and the disappointment of that conference so far. Michigan and Jawan Howard are one of the two Big Ten teams that were seated number or were seated with a number one. They get Florida State and Leonard Hamilton and a program that's been on the rise over the last few years. How do you see that game playing out? I, I wish Livers was healthy. If Livers was healthy, I could see them getting to the Final Four. I think I'll tell you what, Michigan has the toughest road of anybody right now to have Florida State and then maybe Alabama. That's a really tough road to get to the final four. Not going to be easy at all, but Jawan Howard's done a great job. I mean, again, COVID affected them uh, with cancellations, and 
practices cut down and uh, it's a shame, but realistically, one thing I like about Michigan is Mike Smith has been shooting more lately. Uh, and Eli Brooks had a great game the last game. Uh, so, I mean, LSU is not an easy opponent. LSU can score. All those guys between Cameron Thomas and Smart and, and Watford, and yet Michigan found a way to win. So if Michigan gets to the Final Four, to, to be able to beat the likes of LSU, Florida State, and Alabama, if it's Alabama, uh, that's pretty impressive. Uh, I give Michigan a lot of credit. Hunter Dickinson inside is a tough player, but they don't necessarily have to have him score. It's funny. There have been some games where he's taken four or five shots in a game. Uh, so uh, when I look at Michigan, their depth is better than I think people think. Wagner is certainly a dangerous player as well. Uh, it's going to be fun to see if Michigan can pull this off. I, I would say Michigan will beat Florida State. I actually, in my bracket, had Alabama beating Michigan. But, you know, it's a toss-up. And, and Big Ten fans, I think, are rooting for Michigan. No one else is there. Uh, speaking of Final Four, so you have – so run, a, run back. Who, who is your – who's in your Final Four that you, your, that you got? My original Final Four was Gonzaga, Baylor, Alabama, and Illinois. Now that Illinois is gone, I'm going to say Loyola of Chicago will get to the final four. They will beat Oregon State and then get by and uh, get there, which will be the big Cinderella story uh, in Indianapolis, the final four. But we've seen it before. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't have a lot of points, but I do have all my final four teams intact. So I'll, 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 I'll take that. <laughs> At this point, I'll take anything. Yeah, I'll, take the fact that, I'll take the fact that I picked Abilene Christian over Texas. That was my, that was my one really good pick. So, and, so, uh, so my, 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 uh, my columnist in, in Fort Worth, he has been on Shaka Smart for, you know, as the day is long. And I had, I had a C and I couldn't, I couldn't get the last letter out. I wanted to go with Texas, and I'm, and obviously I'm hating life because of it. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I tell you what, Shaka's under some pressure because even though they won the Big Twelve tournament and and they had momentum, losing that game, Abilene Christian, uh, people are, you know, barking about him again. So, I like Shaka Smart personally, but. Uh, Abilene Christian, you know, defense wins. Loyola, Illinois leads the nation in scoring defense. Abilene Christian was a top five team in forcing, turn- in forcing turnovers in, in a number of defensive categories. And you see those things and you say, hey, uh, a close game, defense, why not? But, uh, I mean, this term has been wacky. I mean, what would Georgia Tech have done uh, – if their, star players, if their star player is there. I mean, you know, without Wright, Moses Wright, no, no, no they're not going to win. Uh, Kansas, if Jalen Wilson were healthy uh, all the way through, maybe would have, they weren't going to beat USC, obviously, but uh, they've been so, it's interesting between injuries like Fulkerson from Tennessee was out, uh, Livers, etc., cetera, uh, and the COVID. Uh, this tournament has had some 
twists and turns that uh, make it interesting. Okay, Howie, we can get you out of, out of here on this one. My Jayhawks saw two sets of brothers this past weekend, both of which just lit them up. Which brothers did you enjoy watching more, the Groves brothers or the Mobley brothers? Uh, I'll tell you what, I'd say the Grove brothers, the Groves, because I think I was kind of shocked by the, what, 35, 36 I, he put up. I yeah. mean, that, that's pretty well. I mean, the Mobleys we knew about. Uh, I mean, Eastern Washington gave a heck of a game. I mean, it was an eight-point game. I mean, Kansas is a disappointing end of the year. I mean, obviously McCormick was missing from one, but uh, – or for missing from the Big 12 tournament, rather. And then you had Wilson out. <sighs> Tough for Bill Self. That game last night was painful, to be honest. But And now Kansas has to worry about all the other stuff. And we'll see, but uh, you don't expect Kansas to lose a game like that. Uh, it was kind of stunning, but there's been so many stunning things in this tournament. Uh, like I said, with Oral Roberts, Oregon State, Loyola, and on and on and on. And uh, makes it fun, though. Makes it fun. Uh, uh, let me say this also how many people would have thought Syracuse? would be one of the two last two ACC teams. I mean, in a league that has the likes of Duke, Carolina, et cetera. And obviously Duke wasn't there, but uh, when you, when you look at the tournament and you, and you see a Loyola and you see an Oregon state and you say, Oregon state last in the preseason in their conference poll. And they're in the sweet 16. I mean, it's, that's why we love college basketball. You never know. Howie, I cannot think of a better way to close. You never know. Thank you so much. <laughs> Good luck to us all, whatever that means. And uh, to see you down the road. <laughs> Great to be with you. Thanks. Enjoy the journey. That was dope. Special thanks to Howie Schwab for taking the time and talking to us today. Otto, I asked him this question, and I am wearing the flannel in honor of the Groves brothers, because they were true lumberjacks out there on what was it Saturday that they were taking on that Kansas team. So I'm going to pose this question to you because now I'm interested. Which brothers did you enjoy watching more? The Groves brothers or the Mobley brothers? Groves. And I didn't even need, and I didn't even need that long to think about it. So, I mean, I, I love the fact that it felt like, you know, for just some pop culture references here, I felt like, you know, these guys were the, the brawny, the brawny man and like the pony on dynamite, like, just walking out in Eastern Washington jerseys. I feel like those jerseys are going to be like the hot sellers, you know, in, in, a, in a couple of days, if they're not already. I, I just want to see like, like, you know, a Dame Lillard or a CJ McCollum, someone who maybe went to like a smaller school. Yeah. Do their NBA entrance in one of those jerseys. You, you know how all the players walk in with like their latest yeah. swag or, yeah. or whatever, like fashion statement they're trying to make. Yeah. Give me, a Groves brother jersey in the NBA. Yeah, that's yeah. all I want. That would make yeah. my day. Yeah, I like. I don't know if you knew. You probably did notice this, but like a small touch, the name on the back is like in 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 the script, the same script that's on the front. It's just oh, yeah. like so retro that it just feels like you, you got you got to love it. It, it love felt it. very much like my YMCA basketball jersey. 
that's what it felt like. Like the jersey that I wore as like an eight or nine year old, all hyped up on surge soda before a basketball game. That's what it felt like to me. (laughs) Uh, Okay, before we before we kiss this off and we say goodbye. The first weekend of the tournament, I think, is everybody's favorite. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it because you just have a full slate of games two days in a row, and it's just – it's it's wonderful. It's a great experience. Did you have any favorite moments from this year's first and second round? Oh, my God. Uh, well, like, like I said to Howie, like, you know, I was watching the North Texas game, and, and to be honest with you, you know, we were going to go – we, we you know, went a particularly large staff, and so it kind of was on autopilot. Like, you know, our deadlines are way insanely early. And so I'm like, okay, you know, North Texas, they made an appearance and they'll try to beat Purdue, but you know, five minutes in five minutes left, they got a lead. I like this. Actually, they had a lead for basically the whole second half. Still got the lead. I take my laptop out, I still fire up like I'm gonna have to write a story here. So I wound up writing a story kind of in real time off of off of uh, the North Texas Mean Green, which is their nickname. Um, you know, getting their first ever NCAA, NCAA tournament win, which uh, was followed up, you know, by uh, Abilene Christian doing the same thing. So it's, you know, good times all around. Yeah, it was great. My, my favorite one, just because I dislike Shaka Smart for what he said at his Texas introductory press conference when mm-hmm. someone asked him about how his style would translate to the Big 12. And he goes, well, it worked against Kansas when I was at VCU. And I was like, you know, I just don't want to see you succeed at all. So watching Shaka Smart and Texas go down to Abilene Christian was music to my ears, man. So, so basically you went up to Universal and you put the Hogwarts hex on him. Is, is that what I'm hearing here? <laughs> I did. I did. I took my wand. I was like, you will not win your first round because Texas under Shaka Smart cannot win a first round basketball game. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. this is great. This is wonderful. Yeah. 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 So, hey, who's in your final four? I, you know, we, we got we got we got to do that dance. And I'm I am particularly proud but you go first. All right. So um, hold on. I, I have to look at the bracket to remember where teams are. So I well, definitely have I, Gonzaga I, coming out of the West. Yeah. Uh, out of the East, the four remaining teams are Michigan, Florida State, UCLA, and Alabama. I'm going to take Michigan. I, mm-hmm. I, I think Jawan Howard getting that one seed and pushing through to the second weekend, that's all he needed. You know, he's got his NCAA tournament butterflies away now. You know, he can yeah. go do his thing. Yep. And I think they're going to meet in the final four with Gonzaga. On the other side, None of those teams are touching Baylor. You know, yeah. our good friend from Pure Hoops Media, King McCore, his Baylor Bears are going to the Final Four. So you yep. can feel pretty good about that. And then, you know, I'm taking the Ramblers, man. I'm taking the Ramblers out of the Midwest. I was not impressed with Houston in their second round game. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going, I'm going Loyola. Yeah. I'm a, I mean, that's the, that's the one pick I'm a little concerned about. Obviously, you know, my, my, my four teams are, are, are still present you know gonzaga michigan um, um baylor and houston and i'm excited about that but i i kind of am a little nervous about loyola uh so you know don't be man don't be man they're they're number eight i think in ken palm don't be nervous about it they got this I got, I, yeah, but I got when donuts. in doubt trust ken palm i got donuts on the line i need the money all right let's go time to stick the landing all right, Otto, well, this is always fun. It's a little different to, ca- to talk some college basketball with you, but, you know, we have to. Times are good. Uh, but with that, time to wrap things up this week. Special thanks to our guest, Howie Schwab, the co-host of Talking College Hoops podcast with Dick 
Hoops Weiss. Nobody knows more about college hoops than Howie, and he displayed that today. And also special thanks to our producer, the one and only, his name is Bruce Bernstein, and our editor, Kristen Woolley. Hey, please check out all of our Pure Hoops Media shows. This week, Mike Weiss has legendary NBA photographer Andy Bernstein with some classic stories about his four decades in the association. Full Court with Fisher and Kay drops every Tuesday. Monica McNutt and King McClure have buckets, boards, and blocks every Thursday. And I, I imagine they'll be talking a lot about that women's college basketball tournament going on and also about the Baylor Bears. And as always, we wrap things out with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman as they have the Pure Hoops podcast on Friday. And I'm back with Otto next Wednesday on Catch and Shoot 2.0. And our big hope for this year is that every person out there on the planet who's eligible to get the COVID vaccine does so in a timely fashion. So we can finally put this pandemic to an end. We're not there yet, but we need everybody to protect themselves, wearing a mask, wash your hands, social distance, all of that really matters. Till next week, everybody, take care. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.